I can't hear you. Aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> Who has a podcast and lives in Canada? <laughs> Sometimes Chipotle slaps. I, there was no way I was making that work. I was like, SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> Ew, a podcast by SpongeBob. Oh. Disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. Rachel, that's disgusting. That's disgusting. <laughs> back to sometimes about a slaps i'm mac i'm jubes and how's your day jubes today uh so long ago um (laughs) it's my first day off for a while it feels like and then it's my last day off for a while it also feels like so i didn't do enough Oh, yeah. But I had such a raging headache that I did too much, you know? Like, I really needed a nap. Yeah. But but I got to see my um, my niece, Keegan, Graylin's cat. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's so lovely. She didn't say hi to me at all. <laughs> How like, rude. Whenever I was like, it's so nice to just not be acknowledged by you. <laughs> but that's okay. That's sweet. It was good. I got to chill at his house for a bit. And I didn't even clean it, so... There you go. Boom. That's progress. <laughs> <laughs> We're releasing, like, the possessive older sister thing. I know, and it actually is pretty dirty, but I <laughs> didn't really want to do anything about it, so... That's fair. I'm just spilling all of his tea. <laughs> He's a 20-year-old boy living on his own. What do you want from him? It's true. Yeah. It's true. Oh, well. How was your day? Day was fine. That's good. Uh, nothing eventful. Yeah. Yesterday, though. Oh. Because um, I've still been congested. Mood. It's been like three weeks now. Today, yeah. Today is three weeks to the day That's that wild. I've been sick. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, then I was two days prior. Oh, did you get sick before me? I got sick after Vancouver. Oh, I got sick the day you left oh, okay so then i'm just days later i think yeah okay so i'm almost at three weeks then yeah anyways um so to release some pressure in my head uh i went to clean my ears yesterday <laughs> and i have this really fun reflex um that when every time i clean my ears i cough i don't know why i've googled it it just says that there's like some nerve thing there some nerve reflex that happens that's so weird. it has been that my entire life yeah Yesterday, I coughed so hard, I threw up a little bit. I was like, oh, that's a first. <laughs> we love that. Yeah. It was, I'm like, wow. Wow. So I said that to some of my friends, and one of them's like, you've never been sexier. I'm like, I know. Yes. That's I've, such a turn on. I have peaked. <laughs> and on that news, we're going to talk about hormones. <laughs> yes. Um, and on that news. On that note. And on that note. I just wanted to say happy December Fool's Day to everyone because it's the first of December when we're recording this, and the first of every month is that month's Fool's Day for me. Yeah. And when this um, episode comes out, we'll be on our three-month anniversary. <gasps> really? December 6th. Oh, yay! I know. December 6th. Isn't that the day that Pearl Harbor got bombed? <laughs> it's also three months of some of You can choose which one to, to celebrate or acknowledge. <laughs> 
I'll leave that in your hands. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, like Rakela said, we're going to talk about, like, um, cycle syncing, which... We've had requests, like, yeah. when I've when we were sourcing for uh, topics and whatnot, when started this podcast, and even more recently on Halloween, um, we had someone come up to us and be like, hey, can you talk about this? Because it's not talked about enough, and yeah. she's <sighs> a little bit older than us, but not, like, by anything dramatic. Yeah. But she's like, I don't know anything about this, and it's not something that's recognized, especially in... Um, health and fitness and stuff. Yeah, 100%. A lot of women are ignored when it comes to researching health and fitness and planning workouts and doing that. It's all focused towards men, mm-hmm. which is annoying as a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, and then, yeah, men who are on a uh, seven or 24 hour, sorry, hormone cycle. Yeah. Whereas women are on a 28 day cycle. Yeah. Um, so, with men, you get peak testosterone in the morning. You can work your day and then it lowers at night, which makes you tired. Yeah. Which follows a normal work pattern, which is essentially probably why the work pattern is the way it is in the first place. Well, yeah, we kind of have to ask ourselves, like, is this work pattern normal for everyone or is it normal because we live in a patriarchy? Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of, we do kind of get into all of this as well, or I do at least, but. Yeah, Journey, like she went. Off I on went the research. off. I channeled my university ability to research, and I just did it. That's just like what's, what happens like when you're passionate about this, and yeah, mm-hmm. and it wasn't hard. I was like excited, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, I cannot learn enough about this subject because it's so interesting." Yeah, and it's such an easy way to improve your life. Mm-hmm. Like, really, one of the things is just like make it so that women can have better well-being or something. It was like optimistic well-being or something. And I was like, yeah, snaps for that. Optimistic well-being. That's like kind of the goal Like when I say like... Yeah. And we're going to get into um, toxic positivity and everything that comes down. But there is a fine line between optimistic well-being and toxic positivity. And yeah. That's where the whole like, I mean, hustle, whatever, growth versus positive affirmations. Like there's that fine line and whatnot. And yeah. So in this... Anyway, that's a different topic. But yeah. It was, yeah, I wish I had screenshotted it because it was, like, really, really good. Yeah, so basically our setup for today is we are going to talk about the four phases of the menstrual cycle. So this might not be interesting if If you don't have a menstrual cycle. Yeah, but either way, it's good to know. Yeah. Um, And quick note before this, we are not professionals. We are just trying to learn about our bodies. Uh, I'm touching on this in my nutrition course, so I will give some uh, nutrition support yeah. options. Even the our Journey's main source that she found uh, is a nutritionist as well, so she yeah. took a lot of her information from a professional. Yeah. Eventually, we would like to have professionals on the podcast for yeah, it would a, be so cool. in depth. Well, I Q&A. think even after we do this episode, we should like send it to her and be like, <laughs> "Hey." Do you want to come on and tell us more? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I guess we will um, start with the four phases of your cycle. Um, I just kind of, I also wanted to just preface this that when I'm saying women, I'm referring to people who menstruate. So, yeah. And if you're on hormonal birth control, this does not apply to you, which is kind of annoying. But it's still interesting information to know. For when you are off hormonal birth control, and a lot of like what Michaela will talk about 
does apply and will help you even yeah i think even with hormonal birth control even though it's not like your your natural cycle so to speak i think you do microdose some of those like rise and lower so there are some things that will support however you definitely still have the energy fluctuations and stuff yeah um and like michaela said we're not experts and there aren't currently any like scientific studies but there's so much Stud- so many studies on how hormones impact your energy, your mood, and appetite and sleep. They just haven't related it back to a woman's menstrual cycle. There are some um, with birth control and athletes, though. Okay. When I was doing some research, I found some of uh, some scientific like, journal studies yeah. um, of testing ath- female athletes, female soccer players who are on birth control and how that affected their... Oh, that would be interesting to read. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. So the basis of this is that women are on an infradian rhythm, which is like one of our internal timekeepers. The other one is the circadian rhythm. Only women experience the infradian rhythm, but men and women both have a circadian rhythm. And so the circadian rhythm operates on a 24-hour cycle, and it's like your sleep-wake cycle, um, whereas the infradian rhythm operates on a 28-day cycle, which is why it's linked to our period, because most often periods are on a 28-day cycle, but obviously there's range depending on who you are. Um, And men operate, like Michaela said, on the circadian rhythm, so their testosterone is produced around that cycle, whereas our... um, I guess, like, reproductive hormones are produced in the infradian rhythm in the 28-day cycle. So we also have to take into account those hormones as well as the ones that are produced on the circadian rhythm. But why do you guys care? So your infradian (laughs) rhythm creates a actually 25% change in your brain chemistry over the course of a month, which is a lot and actually incredible. Mm -hmm. And so our metabolism also changes predictably through the month. So how we eat and how we can work out changes, which is why we decided on this episode, because I was getting slammed with TikToks about working out around your period, kind of. And that's based on hormone levels, which I'll get into a bit later. Yeah. And so like in one part of our infradian rhythm, our cortisol levels are higher, which forces us to do or which if we force ourselves to do an intense workout, it increases them even further, which adds to inflammation, stress, anxiety, blah, 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 blah. Um, and our infradian rhythm and our circadian rhythm work together. So if one of them is out of balance, both of them are out of balance. Um, and well, it's oh, funny, like in your circadian rhythm, your cortisol actually spikes in the morning too. So if your cortisol is already high and yeah. you're waking up already stressed and you have to yeah. do whatever, like naturally you need cortisol to wake yourself up because i don't really know what cortisol does like that's the hormone i know the least about oh really yeah i'll get into it okay i'm very excited for that yeah um and it's just like hormone imbalances can contribute to pms systems which suck so did i say systems or symptoms systems okay i like like systems (laughs) pms systems yeah step one have a tantrum about your food not cooking the right way. Step two, your toes feel funny. <laughs> Step three, you scream at your boyfriend for breathing. Literally. You smell too loudly. Step four, you get called a bitch for no reason and then you lose it even more. Literally. 
reaffirming the stereotype. Oh, so funny. Uh, okay, so what is cycle syncing? I'm sure you guys would just love to know. Um, so this term was first used by Elisa Vitti in her book, Woman Code, in 2014. And Michaela informed me that that book is on our reading list for our book club, so mm-hmm. I'm very excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has written another book called In the Flow, F-L-O, which talks more about how to practice cycle syncing, um, which would be interesting. She's also the creator of the Flow period tracking app, so that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so like this is when you sync workouts, nutrition, and supplements with your periods, period, so that you can feel better throughout the month and optimize your hormones, and we have different calorie, fitness, and nutrient needs throughout the four phases of our cycle. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the four phases of the menstrual cycle, um, the way they're written down is either follicular first or menstrual first. We're just going to talk about menstrual first because yeah. that's like the first day of your flow. Yeah. Um, so your menstruation is when the corpus luteum degenerates, estrogen and progesterone levels fall. So that's basically yeah. everything is just leaving your body. And that is when, because of the hormone levels being so low, it's claimed that you are actually the clearest thinking. So yeah. even though you may feel like shit. Your brain is nice and clear. You're which is able good. to think through the shit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then your follicular phase happens where your estrogen levels rise as estrogen is produced by developing follicles. Progesterone is not typically produced during this time. Yeah. Ovulation, estrogen levels drop upon ovulation, which means progesterone is higher, not high, but higher. And then your luteal phase, the progesterone levels rise with the development of the corpus luteum estrogen also rises during this time so this is where also a lot of people feel a lot of um energy and typically can work out harder or whatnot interesting that's funny because i have in my notes that follicular is where you feel the most alert and energized the week after you get your period and then as the luteal goes on you like you feel energized after you ovulate but as the week goes on you like de-energize interesting That's very weird. Well, so there was this one um, site. I was looking for additional sources other than just like my hormone book um, because that one goes really deep into what each hormone is, but then rather than the interconnections of everything. Yeah. And so this one book, or this one, sorry, article described it as the four seasons, right? And so they took the menstrual as winter, spring um, for follicular. Mm Mm-hmm summer for ovulation and fall for luteal right and so using the four seasons for that winter for me cozy don't do a whole lot yeah that's your flow right your energy's low um and then spring is like you're starting to get there but you're not 100 percent. summer is like you can do anything yeah and fall is like you're getting tired but you can still wrap it up and you're fine yeah yeah exactly seasonal depression hasn't quite kicked in yet yeah um yeah and so just kind of on top of that, like, when you're in your menstrual phase, your metabolism is faster, your cortisol levels are higher, your energy is low. In your follicular phase, metabolism is slower, cortisol is lower. Depending on the source, you can feel alert and energized or not, I guess. Yeah, that's one thing, again, even when I was, like, trying to, to set that in stone. Yeah. Um, so many different studies. It depends on the person. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it's, like, it can, for um, specifically ovulatory and luteal like yeah those two kind of go back and forth on where you feel more energy i think there's all multiple lifestyle factors that will then contribute to that as well yeah definitely and then like when you're ovulating your metabolism is slower cortisol levels are slow or lower um 
And it only lasts typically about 24 hours, but it's usually like the middle four days of your cycle. And then luteal is, metabolism is faster, cortisol levels are higher, um, and yeah, hormones begin to dip. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So, now to take what we know about the phases of our period, our menstrual cycle, and kind of put them in terms of working out, like what each phase means in terms of working out, um, we are able to keep cortisol, insulin, and progesterone levels balanced by working with your body's natural energy levels throughout those mm-hmm. phases. Yeah. So, with the follicular and ovulatory phases, the workouts that work best for you are cardio and HIIT workouts because you're able to use your glucose mm-hmm. storage for energy, fat burning, and building more lean muscle. This also includes like uh, weightlifting, strength yes. training, because you will still yeah. use those glucose stores um when you're doing lifting heavy weights. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it keeps your cortisol levels low. You're not adding on to the stress that you already have. And then during the luteal and menstrual phases, you need more calories. And if you don't increase your caloric intake, then it will cause a hormonal imbalance and trigger fat storage. Mm-hmm. And so to prevent raising your cortisol levels, it's recommended that you only work out for about 30 minutes. And then you choose like low cardio workouts like Pilates or yoga or strength training. I wouldn't even say cardio for that one, but like especially for menstrual, I would just say like um, more restorative kind of yeah, uh, yin yogas and whatnot that isn't going to uh, exert a lot of energy. Yeah, and yeah, especially when you're actively menstruating, it's recommended to even just do stretching or just walking. Mm-hmm. So like use those days to like as like active recovery days, kind of. There was one one source <clears throat> that I found. Well, I'm going to say this because I found it really interesting that during the menstrual, they said because your pain tolerance is typically higher, lifting weights may, may be an option if energy allows it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I read that too. Yeah. Which I was like, because it is technically low cardio. Yeah. Really. Yeah. If you lift weights like the gym bros where yeah. you do a set and you sit for five minutes and then you do another set. Yeah. But it won't be like your max lift PR, I think, yeah. time. It will be very light because you're going to use up those glucose stores faster because your body is actively using them to repair itself. Yeah. Um, and just everything that happens during the flow. It's really interesting on TikTok. I see a lot of videos of people like, Oh, this was me lifting a hundred kilograms the week before my period. This is me lifting a hundred kilograms on my period. This is me lifting a hundred kilograms after my period. And just watching how the same weight can be moved so differently is crazy. Mm hmm. But well, then it's it's easy to spiral, right? Like I've been there. I've been working out steadily for just over a year now. Yeah, year and a few months. Um, and how quickly it is to get so hard on yourself. And like the main motivation too is like even when you just step on a scale, right? If you don't know what the breakdown of your body is, yeah, you could have high estrogen. You could be retaining water. You step on that scale, and suddenly you're 15 pounds heavier, and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, it's so different. It seems a little bit dramatic, but... But you just, know what I mean. Like, yeah. It's like, what the fuck? And then it's like, I can't lift anything. Like, what the heck happened? Like, last... Literally two days ago, I could yeah. chest press 20 kilos, and now I'm, like, down to tens. Which is why it's so important to know this, because if you can track your cycle, and while you're working out, you can pay attention to this, you're less likely to go into that spiral of, like, oh my gosh, this isn't working. Oh my goodness, this isn't working out for me. I can't do this. I can't do this. It's like, yeah. oh... Actually, 
I'm just about to get my period, and that's why I can't move this as easily as I could otherwise. Was it a few weeks ago, like a few episodes ago, I literally had that. I'm like, I spiraled after going to the gym. I couldn't do anything, and then I got my period the next day. Yeah, which I was going <laughs> to talk to you about, and I was going to ask you, like, so where, where were you in your cycle when that happened? <laughs> Yeah, no, I was, like, two days before getting it, and I was just, like, losing my mind. Love that. Um, okay, so, like, it's often said that exercise reduces cramping and increases blood flow during the menstrual phase, but obviously it's hard to make yourself do an intense workout, so just do, like, soft exercises. Just, like, walking, moving your body. It doesn't have to be a hit cardio workout, you know? Even a mobility um, kind of video where yeah. you're not just uh, static stretching, you're your dynamic flow. stretching yeah yeah, yeah. Girl, that's the word i was like you're you're, I got you're you. moving <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah, yeah. and yeah you, like i think michael already said this so you don't want to do cardio and hit workouts because it turns on fat storage and muscle wasting um see yeah but then in terms of productivity which is initially what brought me on to this topic was i found a girl on tiktok who was talking about how she runs her business in um like in sync with her cycle, which I thought was so interesting. Um, so like I said, our hormones stimulate our brain differently throughout the month, which is why tasks you've been doing um, every day might suddenly seem hard or frustrating or whatever, depending on where you're at in your cycle. Which is something funny. I just like to side note, sidetrack here too. Yeah. I was trying to figure out, so I use the, just my health app on my phone. Yeah. Um, to just get an idea of my cycle because it's been all over the place since I got my uh, IUD in in June. Right. Um, and so my, according to this, I should be on day 14. So I should be in the ovulatory, but I've been sluggish and depressed. Mm. Which is interesting. Yeah. But because but again, it's not... hormonal birth control. Exactly. Yeah. Right? And so it's really weird to like kind of compare because at the gym I've been feeling week or i like i've been dying this week during my yeah um, hit workouts the cardio days part of that could be because i'm still sick yeah part of that could be seasonal depression yeah but we're talking about hormones and so it's like at the forefront of my thought and i was like is this something that is because of the iud even though it's not supposed to affect your entire being it's supposed to only affect your right ovaries but your ovaries then release main, all these yeah hormones yeah so <clears throat> very interesting right Which i feel like it can't just not affect the rest of your body you know what i, I mean know. it's supposed to be it's not supposed to give you like the like i don't get the insane breast tenderness or mood swings that happen when you are on the pill right i only took the pill for like two months and i hated it yeah and so i just was like mm, nope done yeah. this but yeah, so the, the the concept is, but it's true. Like, there has to be more to it. And because this is already a new concept, yeah. to then get into these studies about different types. The shot Which, versus the implant versus the ring versus the pill versus the... And there's so little research on birth control as it is. Yeah. That's something that needs to get researched more because they're so toxic for women yeah they're so toxic it's absolutely ridiculous and then men are well, like the oh well like, like maybe i could wear a condom like i guess it's kind of inconvenient and i'm like i could get cancer from this i could get a blood clot and die and you want a little bit of discomfort and that's an issue for you like grow a set yeah be a man yeah in in my opinion <laughs> yeah 
Like, well, yeah, because then there goes like, yeah, down that hole. Even um, now, we're seeing it more because they've become more prominent. Now our usage has become, become more prominent. There are infertility issues that are showing up. Yep, in a lot They're, of people. Like in the last ten years, I'd say they've been very prominent, or at least I've been paying attention to them. Yeah, yeah, and like so, even um, that's why people are doing um, what's the proper term for it? The thermometer testing. Method. Oh shoot! What's the proper term for that one? Oh, I don't know. But it's a natural form of birth control. Yeah. Um. Dang it! What's it called? It's something rhythm. It's supposed to basically in line with your um. Yeah, it just says basal body temperature. Oh yeah. Um, because that would then align with the rhythm that you're talking about yeah because your temperature lowers and rises based off of your yeah cortisol hormones everything that happens in the day yeah and that one would be really good also to psych your psych your single um you want to psych your single if you want to psych your single listen to ashley ash that was really hard for me to say um, yeah so even with like the basal body temperature it would be very good to sync your cycle to that because you have to track it for so long and there's so much about your body that you have to know that you'll be very aware of all these other things that it takes to actually align your cycle with your life yep um okay so in terms of productivity again your menstrual phase when you're menstruating your left and right hemispheres of your brain are communicating super well so like Michaela said this is the time to think you want to synthesize facts about situations and process how you feel about them. It's the best time to evaluate your life, reflect on the past month, and make informed decisions. If you want to put this into like a lifestyle term, doing um, like a quote-unquote life reset during this time yeah. might be the best. You're applying out meals and tasks and events, and while you're resting, you're not worried about physically pushing 500 pounds or anything yeah. like that anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just the time to just think clearly, mm-hmm. which feels so counterintuitive because I'm so brainwashed into thinking men or no, women are so like crazy and irrational and emotional when they're on their periods. But it's like it's not on. It's not on. It's just before. It's yeah. It's like whilst I'm bleeding, I can think so clearly. Whilst I'm bleeding, I just sleep. What's the mood? I just I I sleep. I am so thankful for birth control. (laughs) Um, And then in your follicular phase, you're in your creative genius zone. So it's like, this is the time to brainstorm, explore new ideas, manage products, um, projects, test new approaches, and plan your next career move, in a sense. And part of that comes from, because estrogen is linked with serotonin, so you kind of feel refreshed and... Yeah. You have all the happy chemicals going through your system. Yeah, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Before it gets too high and then leads to water retention. Yeah. We'll get there. And then body dysmorphia. (laughs) Um, um, And so then in your ovulatory phase, your confidence is high. And so is your ability to communicate effectively. So this is the time to have those conversations, like um, solve problems, network, follow up on projects, negotiate contracts. It's a really good time to be proactive 
And also, it said that our testosterone levels peak here, which light up the verbal and social areas of our brain. So we're more in tune with the men or whatever. But that's also, that would explain then why you can work harder, lift heavier. Yeah. Because of that testosterone in your system. Exactly. Because that's, that's what testosterone is made for, is to be the big, strong energy. Yeah. It's push. the man hormone or whatever that makes us. Yeah. The masculine yeah. energy versus the feminine energy. Yeah. I just wish it lasted a little bit longer so that I could be like that all the time. So yeah. the luteal phase, which is the longest phase in your cycle. So now it's kind of time to put your head down and focus. So this is the best time for deep work. And so you want to kind of follow through on projects, examine details, do admin work. Um, and then kind of the closer you get to your menstrual phase, you should view rest as productive, which is something you need to hear. <laughs> I thought of you when I wrote that down. I was like, I have to include this. Oh, yeah, no, I just, like, stress guilt when every time I, I quote-unquote, rest. Yeah. Like, I'll be watching my favorite TV show, I'll have, like, my favorite food in front of me, and I'll still be like, I need to do more. No, just relax. Be lazy. Um, yeah. So, in terms of the person who runs her business around her period, she schedules all of the energy-draining tasks the week after her period and during ovulation week. And then she schedules the minimal energy tasks during the week leading up to her period and the week of her period. So it's just like she calls them her daily non-negotiables she'll do and that's it. Yeah. And then she'll just kind of protect her energy. And I'll have her TikTok in our description because it's very interesting to go and read. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if it's that focus then why some um, articles are saying that, yeah, you can still work like do high intensity. I wonder if it's the focus yeah. getting you through that intensity rather than the energy yeah i think it must be yeah yeah you have to there's just a little switch where you're like okay i might not be able to do a cardio workout but i can still focus on doing the strength training or even no even if it is a cardio like for personal example yeah when i'm going through like that like i'm feeling down or whatnot the difference between a good cardio day and a bad cardio day is for how much i can like focus on doing that movement for 30 seconds right yeah yeah right if i don't have that focus even yeah i'm done game over i'm checked out i'm doing like the bare minimum if anything at all like yeah like our coaches can vouch for that like oh yeah they've gotten so used to me just like doing my own thing yeah and they know it's because i'm like i'm i'm tapped out i'm done yeah i don't want to do this anymore this is hard for me today yeah yeah and so i think it's even if it's less about the energy i think that the focus piece that you just said there is yeah is that and then during the luteal phase another note that i have is that you also might feel um sluggish and unmotivated during this time yeah and that's i think where a lot of the especially in female um fit fluencers right the fitness world right now yeah you're seeing a lot of people say that it's like it's not about motivation it's about discipline right and i think that's probably where that comes from because everyone does have that or every menstrual uh female or whatever has that phase where you do feel unmotivated and you're just kind of like blah i don't want to do this today yeah no that's very interesting and i think a part of that is like with the discipline you don't need to be lifting as heavy it's just the fact that you're doing it yeah so don't hate on yourself that you went to the gym and you didn't lift heavy be proud of the fact that you went to the gym you still did something yeah even though you didn't feel like it you know did i ever tell you about the time that i cried after doing a workout 
<laughs> no, I don't think so. I felt like it went so shitty. I was feeling so garbage about myself. I actually cried after the workout. Oh, no. And everyone was like, what's wrong? I'm like, I just gotta go. Yeah. Don't look at me. Yeah. Like, I just felt... I don't I don't know. I'm, and I'm curious because I can't remember when this was, but I think I was just on a normal flow. So I wonder if I was like... Yeah. Which... which phase i was in during that That's time very interesting because i feel like I, I know there's definitely times where i've like been super anxious and then done the workout and had a panic attack during the workout and then wanted to cry after the workout but is that related to hormones or is that just other ish yeah. yeah yeah no i was I, like I, i'm not a crier but i i cried well and then do you think the endorphin release maybe there was something that you just needed to cry about Possibly. That with the endorphins, they were just like, actually, you need to release this and you need to reset. So you need to cry now because now you're relaxed enough. Possibly. I was really hard on myself, though, about feeling like shit through the whole workout. Yeah. And so I think that was what was the primary contributor to that. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was really interesting. Interesting. <laughs> okay. I hate that, but... Uh, we love a little emotional vulnerability. That'd be my ego being. I hate that. <laughs> That's okay though. Yeah. Um, okay. So another thing about this, uh, a TikToker is she wanted to refer to it as um, energy sinking or energy cycling because, a, like, it's easier to refer to it as like energy, especially if you don't have a regular period or menstrual cycle. Um, so you can just kind of like track your energy to find what works for you, but that takes time to learn what your energy levels are like and then make that work for you and then see if there's any differences, you know? Yeah. I was thinking even with energy cycling, like to bring it, like even with guys, right? They're on a 24 hour cycle. Yeah. But for those guys who are like late night gym lifters who are upset that they can't hit these PRs and they're storing fat or whatnot. Yeah. Go in the morning. Yeah. When your testosterone is higher and you can lift heavier, easier. Exactly. Right. Right. That's, it's not just, I guess, females. Like if you want to energy cycle your entire life just to make life easier. Yeah. Gain that workout in the morning. It was, I know so many like midnight gym bros who are like pissed off at the world and angsty and that's why they go at two in the morning. Yeah. Um, but, and then they get upset that they're not seeing progress. Yeah. And that's why it's important to have these conversations because it can apply to everyone. Yeah. For men, you still need to, what are the best times in the circadian rhythm or 24 hour clock for you to work out? When's the best time to do this? When's the best time to do that? Like usually I feel like the work day and just the day in general is so ruled by how men work that we're already kind of like that. But I feel like there has to be more, especially when it comes to working out like that and ways to benefit what you're doing. Yeah. That just clicked when you said energy thinking. I was like, huh. Yeah. Because I do know a lot of people who, a lot of guys. Yeah. Um, who, yeah, are having frustrations about not doing it. And then they go to steroids, right? Yeah. Which then messes you up anyways like yeah steroids get you done in the short term in the long term completely fucks you up because when your body normalizes again yeah then everything is like it goes into survival mode everything is shot exactly it throws off everything so yeah um and she like 
she recognized that not everyone can run their business around their cycle because not everyone runs their own business. Yeah. Um, but she just kind of like, you can apply this to things outside of work, like working out or planning get togethers or doing things outside of work that, um, use energy. And yeah. she just was kind of like, it helps you know you're not going crazy, that there's a reason for how you're feeling and how tired you're feeling and how sluggish you're feeling or how energetic and so good you feel like there's a reason you're not going crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the next that I have is like your period in terms of nutrition. So your cravings change with your hormones. Mm-hmm. And you can relieve or prevent certain PMS symptoms by taking certain nutrients during each phase. That's where one of the concepts of seed cycling happens because it's brought up because it's a small, easy way to just get it into your food without having to like overhaul your entire diet. Yeah. Um, And so the the seed cycle is um, a mix of flax, pumpkin, sunflower, and sesame. Okay. And each of those seeds are... um, supposed to provide certain nutrients that balance your hormones during each part of your right. your cycle. So um, th- it starts with flaxseed and then it goes pumpkin, then it goes sesame or sunflower, then it goes sesame. For each of the four phases? Yeah. So that okay. would be then for uh, starting with follicular, not menstrual. Okay. So because with the estrogen boost, the flaxseed is supposed to help balance that. Right. And then I have, for your follicular phase, you should prioritize fiber, fermented foods, and foods high in zinc. So, like, eggs and whole grains mm. and flax seeds. I love eggs. But yeah. So, that's just, like, a easy way that's supposed to benefit just, like, as a small thing that's supposed to boost your, help boost your thing. You can sprinkle it on, like, literally, literally anything. anything. Yeah. Especially if you grind them up, like, fresh. If you oh, get a okay. whole flax seed, you grind them up fl- fresh, you put it on your toast oatmeal well that's what so then in baking my family used ground flaxseed in replacement of eggs because my mom can't have eggs yeah so would that then help or because it's being baked and not in its raw form will that change its effectiveness i think for the yeah for for like seed cycling for hormone balance yeah i think raw like fresh i think that was that's best okay flaxseeds as a whole though Mm mm-hmm I I think they're stable under high heat. I would need to confirm that. I know hemp, hemp parts are stable under high heat, so baking okay. those are fine. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure flax seeds as well are stable under high heat. Okay. You still get other flax seed benefits, but I think if you're doing it for hormone, having like a raw, yeah. fresh ground seed is optimal. Best. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so then in ovulation, we're less focused on food and more focused on reproduction. So we want high quality nutrition over high quantity nutrition. Mm -hmm. So foods like quinoa, berries, and couscous are good because they help maintain a healthy gut microbiome, which is important for maintaining balanced hormones, which Michaela knows all about. Um, And then we have the luteal phase, which is often associated with strong food cravings. And we also feel hungrier in this phase because we're... Um, not rebuilding the uterine lining. Well, you're what? preparing for hibernation. Yeah, yeah, you're preparing. If you want to bring it back to like the way the the seasons, seasons. yeah, you're preparing for hibernation, right? Yeah, yeah, your body is still prepping for pregnancy. 
And so then heart healthy fats are good during this time. So avocados, walnuts, and slow digesting carbs like sweet potatoes and beans, which help you feel full without spiking blood sugar levels. And then eating more calories during this time helps stabilize blood sugar, which I don't understand how that works, but you do. Stabilize her, which one? It's just eating more calories helps stabilize blood sugar. I don't know the role that blood sugar plays in hormonal balance. It it comes in with like cortisol and having to release insulin and everything like that. So okay. it, it's you're working your body harder if your blood sugar stays higher. Yeah. Um, and can lead to insulin resistance and whatnot. Right. Okay. But also food um, order, the way you eat each meal oh. is actually affects your blood sugar as well. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So how do you, like, what's the best order to eat your food in then? So, um, based off of like for, for blood sugar spiking, um, for other reasons, I think a different order is fine, but based on your plate, when you're looking at your dinner plate, right? For example, you have, I don't know, steak, potatoes and beans. Yeah. To avoid spiking your blood sugar. Yeah. The best order to eat that would be. The vegetables first, so okay. the beans, then proteins and fats, mm-hmm. and then carbs. Oh, okay. Because carbs digest fastest in your system. Yeah. And so they're going to get into your bloodstream way quicker than everyone else. And that's yeah. why for a pre-workout, for example, having yeah. carbs is good because it'll get your blood sugar up. You'll get your glucose stores right up Yeah. right before you go and have like any strenuous ac- activity. Right. But if you're trying to avoid the blood sugar spikes... Um, going vegetables first, <laughs> then proteins and fats because proteins and fats um, digest at a way slower rate compared to mm-hmm. carbs. I'm trying to think of the exact numbers. I think fats like nine calories per gram. Proteins mm-hmm. is seven calories per gram, and then carbs is who four or five. Okay. Blanking on it. But so based off of that amount, dude, it also helps with like the breakdown and Oh, interesting. So proteins and fats break down slower in your system. Therefore eating it first will halt your digested or halt your digestion. Yeah. And then they'll um absorb uh, slower into your bloodstream. That's so interesting because that's mm. how I tend to eat meals usually. Um carbs last. Yeah, because um, I feel like I'd eat the salad and the veggies and stuff really yummy to get that out of the way, and then I will go meat usually because I don't like it, and then in this specific meal, I would eat the beans first because they're gross, then I would eat the meat because I don't like steak, and then I would eat the potatoes because they're my favorite, and that's what I want to eat last. Yeah. If you're talking about digestion, like if digestion's your issue, you yeah. should have your greens after because of the fiber. Right. So they help scrape everything out and process everything through that way um okay so the only thing i haven't mentioned yet um for nutrition wise is your menstrual phase which your iron is low um you're literally bleeding so um (laughs) you need to eat iron rich foods like nuts lentils and meat and you also want to eat foods that reduce inflammation and replenish blood loss so Mm -hmm. focusing on the eggs and the walnuts for omega-3s fortified cereals and alternative milks for vitamin b12 which helps with fatigue when our energy levels drop. And side note with iron, you do need to pair it with vitamin C for optimal absorption. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Do you know why that is? That's very interesting. 
there's all sorts of things that um, for optimal absorption. I don't know the science, uh, the micro like science off at the top of my head, like yeah. The, but it's the same way as like um, turmeric. Mm-hmm. You only get the benefits of turmeric if you add black pe- black pepper with it. Really? Yeah. So the cur- curcumin doesn't absorb the same way oh, okay. without the black pepper. Interesting. It's, it's, a, it's a molecular thing. Okay. Because otherwise it competes and stuff. Right. Um, there's competition, and so it just helps boost it into your hmm. bloodstream. That's I can't think of the molecular science about that right now, but... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's very interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. and so then the last thing that I kind of have is, like, ma- working your cycle in terms of sex and fertility. So basically... Just know when you're ovulating. If you want or don't want to get pregnant, you should still know when you're ovulating because when you're ovulating is when you are most likely to get pregnant. And when you are on your period, it is when you are least likely to get pregnant, but it's still, the chance is never zero. Mm -hmm. Um, And so by eating a diet that caters to balancing your hormones and microbiome, it should help fertility. And I know Michaela's done a lot of research and stuff about that, but there's also this guy on TikTok who learned about the importance of food with fertility. So while him and his wife were trying to conceive and getting her even to a point where she could conceive because they had had struggles in the past, he was cooking all of these meals that are really high in the nutrients that she needs. And it actually worked. They actually had a kid this year, which is really, really cool. Um, so I'm going to like link his TikTok as well, because it's very interesting. And none the, like, even if you're not trying to conceive, uh, meal ideas that are good for you and your reproductive health. Mm-hmm. So still very interesting. See? But yeah, like, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but I know I mentioned to Michaela before we started recording, but I wish that the the workout aspect of this was taken into account like at our gym because we do a lot of scans and a lot of challenges and stuff and I would really like to know for myself like how my cycle changes that or if it does even because of birth control or like just how that works you know because I think it would be really interesting so that people aren't so hard on themselves, like, oh, like, I didn't lose that much, or I lost too much, or, like, whatever. But it's like, look at where you are in your cycle, because your body changes so much in those mm-hmm. 28 days that unless you are tracking that, it can seem really defeating. Yeah. But yeah. And I do think that our coaches, in particular, they are fairly good at, like, mentioning, like, water retention and stuff, too, right? Yeah. Like, how was your sleep the next or the night before, and how was that? Like, yeah. I have redone many scans in that because it's like so our midway scan for the challenge that we're in now yeah i went in to do my midway scan and because i had just been sick the week prior my scan was way off my scan was so bad and so my scan it said that i had lost what even the number i wasn't it like 20 pounds or something ridiculous no no i gained it said i gained weight right um which I have, but the the concerning was my skeletal muscle mass went down like freaking twenty percent or something like that. Oh my gosh! Like my skeletal muscle mass went like way lower than it's wow. ever been, and it was like your fat and your like weight are like way high. Yeah. So basically, what it said is that I like all of my muscle atrophied um, yeah. within a weekend. Oh my goodness! And I was like, uh, ooh, 
that's not right. So I walk out and I've, I've done the spiral before where I've had bad scans and I just don't like what I see. Yeah. But this one I walked out, I was like, um, this is off, right? Yeah. And then like the gym owner, she's like, yeah, absolutely. We're going to like do like this time next week, come back in, rescan because you'll, after you're eating and your life is normal again. Yeah. And I've gone up 2% muscle mass. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah, so, like, with my rescan, I've, my weight has gone up. Yeah. But my fat has gone down, like, 0.1, like, not a lot. Yeah, so my but fat's still been, enough. Yeah, and then my muscle has gone up 2%. That's and awesome. And so that's where that weight gain is coming from. Yeah. And, like, so when I stepped on the scale the second time and did the scan, I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Even if I'd lost a little bit of muscle mass, like, I wasn't banking on a good scan because I had just been sick. Yeah, exactly. But it was, like, the ridiculous amount of muscle mass that said wow. I went way down. Yeah. I should no. have pulled the image on my phone so I can tell you what it was, but it was stupid. I should have taken a picture of mine. Um, yeah, mine I had lost, like, two or three pounds, and then I had also lost, like, muscle mass. But my water retention was still really high. And so she was like, you're not eating enough. You have to eat so much more. Like, this is not good for you because I was just getting sick. Yeah. So my energy was already depleting, and now it's probably way worse because I haven't worked out in a week. Or eaten really well. Yeah, so it said for my skeletal muscle mass for the um, scan that was really off, mm. it said I had gone from 85.3 pounds to 81.4. Oh, wow. And I was like, that's a, an that's extreme a, drop. Yeah. Um, and then same with the fat. It said I went from 34.8 to 37.7. Oh, my goodness. For that scan. Yeah. And so it's like muscle way down, fat way up. And I was like, uh, uh, that's not accurate. And so what, what the actual thing is that I've, I went from uh, 85 to 86.9% or pounds, sorry, for skeletal. Oh, okay. And I went from 34.8 to 34.7 for nice body fat percentage that's sweet but so there's even things like that like just being sick and all yeah. that contributes to your uh scan yeah yeah there's just so much to take into account and where i i, I agree with like there's a lot of things though, especially when you're doing at home monitoring if you're just stepping on a scale you don't know what the yeah there's no breakdown of that yeah it would just be, oh, I lost weight, or oh, I'm gaining weight. Like, that was the biggest thing when I first started working at the gym. I put on, like, five pounds, but it was muscle. Yeah. It was, like, it was a good, healthy weight. I needed to put on those pounds. But if I was someone who was already struggling with their weight, mm -hmm. those five pounds would have crushed me because I couldn't see where they were allotted. Yeah. Um, which is annoying. But that's pretty much all that I have. Yeah. And so, you wanted to know more about cortisol? Yes. All right. To put it into definition, cortisol is the hormone that governs one's hunger cravings, digestion, blood pressure, sleep-wake cycles, physical activity, and capacity to deal with stress. So, it's Mine a big one for you not to know. know. Yeah. Um, it's a glucocorticoid, which increases blood sugar levels to be able to respond to fight-or-flight response with an increased energy. Okay. So it works in conjunction with epinephrine and norepinephrine. Right. Um, by releasing those sugar, like glucose stores. Okay. So your body can just pump it out. Right. Right away. Right. So its main job is to increase blood, gluco blood glucose levels mm -hmm. and store the excess in the liver as glycogen. Okay. Um, cortisol is the most 
potent glucocorticoid. Okay. Um, and it, we already touched on blood sugar. Yeah. It also increases blood pressure. Okay. And it modulates inflammation. Okay, yeah. And so that's why when you're stressed, inflamed, and everything is this and panicky and whatnot. Yeah. Cortisol is, is part of that. So the way we've been talking about it, I have it in my head that it is a bad hormone. But why in excess. We- okay. It's necessary for when you are in your flight or flight fight or flight response. Right. But that's the issue now with uh cortisol and whatnot is that we are getting that cortisol release mm-hmm. off of walking outside normally. Oh, okay. And so that's where it's bad is that we are experiencing it in non life threatening situations. Okay. In forms of anxiety. Right. Which is then pushing on to adrenal fatigue. Yeah. Which is why I've got you on maca to help support your adrenals and stuff um just overall health and so where this is like really struggling is that cortisol's high it's in your your blood sugar's high yeah well then your insulin is then trying to combat that right when your insulin is exhausted that's going to lead to um insulin fatigue and whatnot and so you will no longer get What's the term? Insulin resistance. Okay, yeah. Um, insulin that will lead to insulin resistance, which can then lead to diabetes. Right. Because your your body can no longer produce enough insulin to take down your blood sugar levels. Right, right. So that's where it is bad. Okay. Wow, that's very interesting. Yeah. And so with a high cortisol, this goes into fat storage. Um, in your fat cell, like the the more fat you have on your body, the more estrogen your body produces because your fat cells produce estrogen, mm-hmm. which is then harder on the liver because the liver has to clear out all the estrogens. Right. So when you're talking about um, estrogen estrogen excess in these balancing these hormones, yeah, having a higher body fat percentage adds to that. Right. Um, being like stressed all the time adds to that. Uh, liver, if your liver's lagging, mm-hmm. then that will add to that because it can't clear it out properly. Right. Um, which then causes other liver issues if not dealt with properly. Um, And so all of that then adds, but like when you're stressed and you whatnot, then you're putting on more fat. And so it's just really hard to find that balance. Yeah, definitely. Once you're kind of on that slope. Right, yeah. Because you have to work a lot harder to get back up off that slope. And so that's where mediating uh, anxiety and stress and whatnot. And then also is helping in diet okay because when you're stressed out what kind of foods do you go to junk foods because it has like a lot of like um, gluten products and whatnot have an opioid effect on the brain okay yeah which is calming so it's an immediate relaxing factor right when journey was having a really bad day the other day and she's like what can i help to calm myself down yeah and i'm like you want a quick fix you're gonna go and get some if your favorite your donut or favorite yeah. donut or whatever because that's going to calm you down immediately long term not a good solution not, yeah not ideal because the sugars and everything else then spikes your blood sugar more which then leads to more insulin resistance yeah which then can cause said diabetes and whatnot later down the line yes because your body can no longer uh well it's the same thing as like antibiotic resistance if you're exposed to it so much you're no longer going to react to it yeah one thing that is really interesting about this yeah is that because it's also putting the inflammation response and everything you're getting a lot of those um 
free radicals and whatnot in your system as well. Okay. Free radicals aren't good. Um, they can uh, assist in all sorts of like cancers and diseases and yeah. whatnot. Um, but one thing that helps mediate the effects of cortisol mm-hmm. is actually um, like oxytocin. Okay. So, and ox- you get oxytocin from social connections. And so there's a hypothesis out there that the reason why a lot of women live longer than men is because we are constantly mediating right. the effects of cortisol by bonding with your friends and doing things like that, where a lot of men tend to bottle up and fight yeah. through on their own. Yeah. So there's a hypothesis out there that that's why men die quicker because of there's all yeah the stress and what well, you put on yourself. Yeah, they're not mitigating their cortisol levels with the or uh, oxytocin. Exactly. So that one's interesting. Oh, another thing that's interesting with high cortisol, just as a side topic, not really part of um, cycling. Yeah. Uh, high cortisol constricts blood flow to the brain. Oh. Which. Um, and it also adds like the damaging effects of high glucose to the brain, oh. which type three diabetes is a new term that's coming out. Okay. Or newer, newish term, um, which has been associated with Alzheimer's. Really? Mm hmm. So, like, stress can actually, like, end up shrinking your brain and everything. That tracks, because, yeah, we're learning more about how the there are physical um, manifestations of stress that a lot of people didn't really recognize or know about. Yep. And to loop back to, like, circadian rhythms, like I said earlier, cortisol spikes first thing in the morning. That's how you wake up in the right. day. Right. That's how you start your day. Um, and cortisol is lowest around midnight, and that's when your cells will be doing the most repairs. Oh. But with our issues with circadian rhythms is that we are usually looking at our phones around that time. Yeah. But when you look at the phone, like the way, the light waves that come from technology, yeah. tell your brain that it is the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. And so that's why we are constantly living in the middle of the afternoon. So your cortisol is higher for that reason because it's like, oh, we need energy because we're up and we're doing these things. Yeah. When you should be kind of getting used to the dark and not looking at any technology or artificial light oh so then because your cortisol level is lowest at midnight is that does that impact how like when you're at a sleepover with your friends and you all just kind of like that's when the conversation turns like really deep and meaningful is because there's none of that fight or flight yeah it's like you're just allowed to be open well that and then you also have more oxytocin so you're open to the connections and whatnot it's a social that's when you start like contemplating life exactly interesting um and then another fun thing with cortisol we won't drag on too long so i want to talk about um hormones in relation to the cycle when you're if you live in high cortisol for too long it actually then goes to low cortisol so you can be living in high and low cortisol at the same time which seems really contradictory yeah but it's basically burnout when you're oh, in both of those okay. together, that is what, like, burnout is. Because even when you are burnt out, you can be totally unmotivated and depressed, but you could also be stressing about every second of your day. Yeah. At least I do, personally. Me, yeah, <laughs> me. I relate to that. So yeah. then, this might be a topic for another day. Um, becoming addicted to that stress. It could be. Cortisol levels, probably. Well, we'll, we'll cover that in that... another episode, but I feel like that's another conversation that we could have. Exactly. Um, yeah. So then moving on, we'll kind of, I'll touch on estrogen and progesterone a little bit more. So 
Uh, estrogen has more than 300 biological tasks in the body, and it influences more than 9,000 genetic uh, messages in women's body. Which is body. so cool. That's so many. It's a, a key player. Yeah, we, definitely. Would say. Yeah. And so the top three for female hormones um, is estrogen, uh, thyroid, and then like insulin and whatnot. Oh, for, really? Yeah. Okay. For your health, it's like a... When you talk about hormone, women's hormones, that's kind of the pyramid for it. Right. Um, and estrogen is basically what makes women women. It gives you your curves. It gives you your clear skin. It uh, promotes all the things that like make you feel like, oh, you're glowing. Yeah. Right? The, the term you're glowing when you're pregnant right. is like, because it's everything's there. Yeah. Um, progesterone, on the other hand, it is like calming it aids in sleep it keeps you level-headed and relaxed the most prop like the biggest problem with low progesterone is the pms symptoms that we were uh, discussing earlier because you aren't in that like sedated relaxed state oh cool um and then in certain women with pms progesterone after ovulation changes your GABA receptors so that it doesn't respond to progesterone and other neurosteroids okay so that's not good because GABA is another kind of calming factor for your brain. Yeah. Um, and so it's basically saying that some women are just, you just get it really bad. Yeah. Right. It just sucks. Yeah. Um, when progesterone, progesterone is low and estrogen is dominant, mm-hmm. this is where you see the, the mood swings, the headaches, the cysts, uh, PMS and sleep problems. Okay. Um, and if progesterone is either too high or too low, it can lead to an issue from weight gain, moodiness, endometriosis, and cancers. Oh, wow. Uh, with too much estrogen, there's a greater risk of infertility and endometrial cancer, which mm. is why well, balance is where we're kind of going for. Yeah. It feels interesting that, like, estrogen, which is, like, the female hormone, if you have too much of it, you can't get pregnant, which is, like, the female job. Yeah. It, like... In, well, it leads to a lot like, of again breast cancers and stuff too. So, yeah, this is another, I guess, idea with the the pill, right? You're playing with these estrogens and whatnot in an artificial way. Yeah, is that why we're seeing more breast cancers? Yeah. Now, the other factor that is endocrine disruptors, right? Right. Or xenoestrogens that we are finding in our yeah xenoestrogens that we're finding in our. Um, beauty products, candles, household cleaning products, just these these chemicals that are then affecting your cells. Yeah. And xenoestrogens in particular can't be um, broken down by the liver, so they just live in your system constantly. Yikes. So that's where you're seeing cysts and breast cancers and ovarian cancers. And right. Because of these, in part, of these things. Yeah. Yes. Like I said, your body naturally produces more estrogen when you carry more fats. We are seeing obesity levels rise and everything. So this yeah. is where mediating and again balancing your lifestyle a hundred percent is important and this is why like that's that kind of stuff is my reason for wanting to lose fat yeah exactly it's less about looking a certain way now for me it's more of like a health like like i need to balance my hormones for my long-term health exactly yeah um fun thing about progesterone it's also a thermogenic which boosts your metabolism and helps the helps your thyroid out nice it's also a natural diuretic Right. Um, and it stimulates GABA receptors, 
Um, like I said Gab- earlier, GABA has sedative properties. Yeah. Um, that's like the overarching themes for each of them there. Yeah. As I said earlier, symptoms related to low progesterone is the PMS, fibroids, painful periods, mood issues, including depression, endometriosis, endometrial precancer slash cancer, anxiety and disordered sleep. And the top five reasons for low progesterone, some of these are in combination, is aging, stress, uh, no ovulation, low thyroid, or high prolactin. Okay. Which is... Prolactin is actually released when you're breastfeeding. Yeah. Lactin as in lactating. Yes, ma'am. Yep. It would be really interesting. I wish I had thought of this when I was doing my research is like um, how your hormone levels change while you're pregnant, how you can use that hormonal change that is very natural to like sync. Yeah. So like, yeah, what kind of workouts you need to do while all that, which I feel like it would be fairly simple to kind of research what hormones are changing and then kind of apply it into but i think that'd be very interesting yep and so some things that you can do to help with like pms symptoms if you are in them yeah calcium magnesium and b vitamins yeah all help level that out um refined avoiding refined sugars acupuncture has been shown to help with a lot of people's like during pms time yeah Hmm. um exercise moderately yeah Guided visualizations to induce calm feelings, Ooh. homeopathy, light therapy, herbals, some herbals that are suggested. Talk to natural, like your herbalist. Um, yeah. Before going on this, is like Chasberry and St. John's Wort, though. Okay. People have found success with those. Yeah. And this is one thing that was like really interesting because I feel like almost everyone I know ha- does suffer with PMS. Yeah. That is basically a progesterone imbalance. Right. So when it's in balance, you're not supposed to suffer from PMS symptoms. Oh, weird. Right? Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. Weight remains stable during menstruation. Sleep is good quality and consistent. Mood is stable. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I, well, I feel like it, like, if you are a person who grows a fairly thick uterine lining Mm -hmm. the cramps are still going to be bad to get that out even if your hormones are balanced you know like yeah it could just be luck of the draw but pms doesn't just mean the cramps yeah it's there's other things and the it's the uh prostaglandins that cause the cramping okay (laughs) your face well, I know of the cramping as, like, contractions of, like, micro-contractions to push the uterine lining out, which I guess would be controlled by the prostaglandins. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's it. Yeah. It's what causes the, the yeah. contraction of it. So, it's not the progesterone. It's the... Another thing. The other thing. Gain it out. Um, so, in topic of refined sugars, I just learned this, and I just think it's so interesting, so I'm just going to share it with everyone. Yeah. Because I didn't know, but, like, when you were eating sugar... It is immobilizing your immune system. Yep. Your T-cells cannot fight what they need to, which is why when you're sick and even before you get sick, you really need to watch your sugar intake. Boom. And my dad will be so disappointed that it took me 22 years to realize <laughs> that. Almost 23. It's almost my birthday. Yay. Well, because all you hear is that it, like, it weakens immunity, right? But if you're not told explicitly how. Yeah. And it had never been presented in a format that I was able to receive. Yeah. And I was just 
shocked because it was like X amount of grams can immobilize your immune system for 30 minutes to four hours. And it like, and if you're constantly eating sugar, your immune system is constantly immobilized. And I was just like, whoa. Yeah. And that's one thing. Like I, I grew up hearing all of these things and now that I've noticed with the course, yeah, I'm learning these things. And I'm like, oh, I'm just having light bulb moments. Yeah. Like, oh, that's what that means. Yeah. Because I've been told these things my entire existence, but I never knew why. Yeah. And I do need to get better with my communication of it. And you will see my communication of these factors get better as this podcast goes on. Yeah. Um, But it's just like the... Instead of telling kids, for example, don't eat that, it's bad for your immune system. Like, yeah. explain what happens yeah what is this how is this going on because then that maybe would have been received better yeah that's like a lot of who i am is i appreciate when you explain to me why something does what it does don't just tell me what it does explain to me what's going on so that i can fully understand and grasp the concept so that i can apply it to my life yep because i've been told we don't eat sugar because it's bad for you okay well why Mm mm-hmm like, oh, we don't want you to get sick, which now makes sense because one time when I was eating, I was on a date with my mom and we came across like a Cinnabon place and it just smelled so good. And my mom had had real cinnamon buns before, so she knew how good they were and I didn't, but I could just smell it. And she's like, we'll get one, but you have to promise me you're not going to get sick. And I was like, yeah, like, it's not going to make me throw up. <laughs> but I understand now that she was like, you're going to overload your body with sugars. You need to promise me that you're not, like, obviously I can't promise that, but it was like, yeah, you need to understand that this is something that compromises your immune system, which I didn't, but now I do. Yeah. So that's a little tangent that I just wanted to share with everyone. Well, that's growth, though. Yeah. Because now you're like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Right? And so you'll be able to express that going forward. Yeah, and be more aware of okay, I'm sick. My immune system is working in overdrive. Maybe I don't need to eat a sugar cookie, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think the last thing I really need to touch on that I can remember right now yeah, is just excess estrogen, what it is. So right. excess estrogen then leads to uh, water retention, breast tenderness, painful periods, mood swings and depression, hair loss, headaches, bloating, difficulty, difficulty losing weight, Fatigue, insomnia, decreased libido, foggy brain, and memory loss. Oh my goodness, yeah. Everything. Yeah. Everything. Because it is, it (laughs) compromises, it not compromises, comprises, comprises? Yeah. Most of your system. Yeah. That's what you're doing as a female. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Balance is so key, and homeostasis is just like, there's a reason why our bodies function the way they do and why equilibrium and homeostasis are so important mm-hmm. so that we can function see like regular humans see um so that is i think we all of our points we i think we covered pretty much to, everything yeah all the points we wanted to touch <laughs> on uh a few detours but that's okay anything else you want to add about cycle thinking um i i can't really speak on personal experience because the only time i've been aware of it i've been on a hormonal birth control yeah so it's something that i want to play with when i get off but because i had such horrendous periods i'm not about to do that anytime soon yeah so maybe 
once you do get off, though. Then, yeah, I want to be, like, because very help, aware of everything. If because it's supposed I'm, to help mediate, though, then yeah. you might be able to. And so it's, like, I need to really watch what I'm eating and watch what I'm doing. But I'm not in a headspace where I can, like, do that Yeah, right now. Start building those habits now, right? Like Yeah, exactly. Even though the gym has been a stressful part for you, this challenge. Yeah, it's but, just that I'm not eating enough, right? So I mm-hmm. need to build the habits of fueling my body because yep. I'm running on empty. And so I'm building fat and not muscle. Yep. Which is annoying. <laughs> yeah. But, and it was really tough to actually see that, but that's okay. Um, it's all part of the change. So let's keep... Keep yeah. on chugging. But that's... Pr- that I'm, we're not really going to do a segment because this episode was long. Yeah, so. we have no need for a segment. Um, if there's anything we missed... Or, or got we, wrong. Yeah, or you want us to go in depth about... Let us know. Yeah. Yeah. This was a requested... Yeah, highly requested episode, and hopefully we did it justice. Yeah, I hope. I feel like we did. I was really excited about it. Yeah. No, I was really impressed to see how much, like... Journey walks in and she's like award vomited everything. I'm like, wow! I've got six pages of notes. You like, oh okay. (laughs) But I guess speaking of that, we um are playing around with the idea of doing blog posts. So if you want this information in a blog post, or even just like sources, yeah, like we got all the yeah. And always feel free to reach out. Like, oh, like I'd love to read some of those journal articles or whatever. We have all the links saved, so we can send them to you and be like, this is where we got our information from. Exactly. But yeah. Merry ho ho month, everyone. And work on your ho ho hormones. <laughs> I'm Matt Joy. I'm It's Juice. We are Sometimes Javada Slaps. You Thank can you find for us. tuning in. Yeah, you can find us at Sometimes Javada Slaps on just about every social platform. Yeah. Um, we out there. Yeah. We're, when you Google it now, <laughs> we're the faces you see. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's fun. It's good to see. Yay. Well, thank you. Ta-ta for now. TTFN. Bye.